My name's Chris Peters, one of the pastors here, and so glad you've joined us. We are, um, as the rest of the Christian world is, in the midst of Advent, waiting for Jesus to come, wondering how we're going to prepare, as that song speaks about, for the realities that God's revealing at this time, that we look back to when it happened 2,000 years ago, but also that we look forward to now that Jesus is coming. I said to the, when I was up front the other week, I said, Christmas has another layer to it this year because my daughter, oldest daughter of four kids, Brittany, is, and her husband, Mark, are expecting our first grandchild on Christmas Day. So that's three days away. The good news is he made it back from his training. He's a helicopter pilot in the Army. He made it back to Colorado Springs. Now they're nesting and waiting for the child to come, and we are excited. As I found that song this week, I was searching for Christmas songs 2019, seeing if there was a new song. I came across that song we just sang, Born on That Day, and it sort of rattled around in my spirit, in my mind this week, and it just sort of captured the spirit of what I'm speaking about this morning, what God's laid on my heart. And what I'm hoping this morning is that we take something that we hear a lot and we know mentally, but that it moves from just being a mental thing to being a heart thing, that our hearts and our minds are captured by the reality of what we celebrate here at Christmas. We have been in the series called 500 Neighbors because we're sort of thinking as a church and thinking individually as a community What does it look like for us to develop habits that call us together as believers, but also propel us out into the world, into the lives of others? This idea of bells is a metaphor on how we as Christians are supposed to be surprising the world or baffling the world by the things that we do because of the hope that we have in Jesus Christ. That we live different than what the world says. And that we have a different posture and a different spirit and hope that we can't always explain. BELLS is also an acronym. If you put it up on screen, there is uh, the acronym BELLS, which we've been working through over the past few weeks. And the idea is, is that as we live out these habits, as we embrace all of them, a sort of a lifestyle, that we are changed. So when we bless other people, however that looks... It teaches us to be generous. If you want to hear some stories that were posted on our website about different things, somebody said this week, they said, hey, I fixed a plumbing issue on a neighbor's hot water heater so that she would not have to call a plumber. Another one is three of the men in our congregation helped Solid Rock Ministries build a handicap ramp for a woman who probably couldn't be able to get into our house for Christmas without it, and that was a joy for us to bless others. Another one is, I think Trent read this last week, but it's a good one. I gave my mother a hug. I haven't hugged her for a long time. Our relationship has been strained over many years, especially over the past year. And another one, just a simple one. We invited our neighbors with young kids over for dinner and just spent time with them and blessed them. 
So when you learn to bless, you become generous. When you eat with others, you learn hospitality. When you learn Jesus, when you look at Jesus' life, when you open the Gospels, when you think and ponder about his life and the way that he did things, it makes us more Christ-like and embody his spirit. When we listen for the guidance and the direction of the Holy Spirit, when we are attentive to his voice, however that comes, sometimes through scripture, that's the primary way, through prayer, through nudges and through leanings, through other people. We learn to be attentive and spirit-led and following his voice where he's calling us to go. When we get still and we put away our voices as Trent talked with us last week. And then today we're going to consider this idea that we need as Christians, as followers of Jesus, to think of ourselves as sent by God everywhere that life takes us. To share the good news, to participate in God's activity in the world. He wants us to participate in what he's already doing. To bring hope and restoration. You know, this way of missional living, this Bell's Habits, isn't an add-on, isn't like we're adding it on. It's intended to be a way of life that focuses us on others and on the mission of God. I heard it said, the church does not have a mission. God has a mission and he chooses to use the church. So we are part of God's mission in the world. And when we do this, it helps us spread God's word. He uses it through us to make Things spread organically, very naturally, graciously, and we're surprised at what God does. And today we're going to consider the implications of how Jesus comes at Advent and how that changes the way that we look at our missional call today. You know, over this day and on Christmas Eve or Christmas Day, we have a service at 9 o'clock on Christmas Eve or Christmas Day at 9 a.m., sorry, Christmas Day at 9.30 we're going to consider this idea of what is the incarnation. Trent, on, Chris, on those services, is going to reflect on the Gospel of Luke. And that gives us a very up-close look at Mary and Joseph, the shepherds, Elizabeth and Zechariah, all those characters. And we zoom in on that particular narrative. What I'm going to read today is from the Gospel of John. And John zooms way out and looks at it from about a 10,000 foot level or from an eternal level about what's happening. I know there's a lot of kids here today. We're excited you're here. And I'm, I have a couple stories for you to tell about how God's taught me about Christmas. But I want you to know from the outset, they are true. They're gonna sound like they're not true. Like a good pastor story. But no, this is true. And so I want you to hear the word of God this morning. So let's just pray for a moment and I'll read God's word. Lord, we pray this morning that we would be open to what you want us to hear from your word. Give me the words to speak. And may we have the courage to respond however you prompt us. And we pray it in Jesus' name and in the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen. What I'm about to read would be shocking to the people who heard it in Jesus' day or after that. To the Greek hearers, they would not associate what I'm going to read as being possible. 
And to the Hebrew hearers, for, for, for John to say that the word was Jesus was an incredible thing. So hear these words from the beginning of the Gospel of John. It says, in the beginning was the word. And the word was with God and the word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. And without him, nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. In verse 14, it says this, The Word became flesh and made his dwelling among us, and we have seen his glory, the, one, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So John tells us something extraordinary. He says in John 1.14, the word became flesh. To the Greek, as I said, it was unthinkable because the Greeks thought that what was important was your spirit and the flesh was something to be cast off or to just be indulged and then later on your spirit would be released. But for the fact that the word became flesh was an unthinkable idea to them. To the Hebrews, they would think that the word was, was, was God, but to think that associate Jesus as being the word was a blasphemous idea because no one could be who walked on this planet could be connected to the holy God. But you know what John says? The one word, the thing, the definitive word, the one and only word that Jesus wanted us to know, that God wanted us to know was Jesus Christ. God didn't send a note. He didn't send a text. He didn't send an email. He didn't send a check. God, the God of the world came in a body, a body like yours and mine. And what I want us to capture this morning is the risk that, that Christmas is, that God came and took on human form. When you search on Google for Christmas and risk, you know what you get? You have the risk of overeating at Christmas or the risk of getting your packages stolen or risk of a Christmas tree fire because of the lights. That's not enough. The risk of Christmas is the fact that God who was up in heaven, took a risk and said, I am willing to step into my creation to demonstrate my love. That God was willing to leave heaven unimaginably and become a human fetus. And that God was willing to get that small to show us his love. It says in John 317, it talks about the motive of God the Father in this idea of Jesus becoming flesh. It says, God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Now, the, 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 this reality, I've heard about it for a long time, but it came true for me in the life of my pets at home. Now, the Peters family, you must know, has sort of a checkered history with pets. We go really, really well or not so good. We have dogs who live 15 plus years. We have horses that have lived 30 plus years. But then there's the other ones. And uh, we got this thing from the Discovery Channel. It was, it was an ant farm. Anybody ever had an ant farm? 
All right, we had one. This is real. All right, and the Discovery Channel came with three worlds. They all looked, if you show up the picture of the slides, do we have it? Hopefully. There was three worlds. And those ants, I set it up. I mailed it in. They sent me the ants, and I put the water in there and the sand, everything like that. And the ants could go from one world to the next by little tubes that connected it. And it was going okay for a little while. But then I started to notice that on one of the worlds of the three little worlds, the, there was a lot of dead ants building up over here. A lot of them. And I'm like, man, I got to figure out what's going on. This is not going to go well if it keeps up at this pace. How can I connect with those ants? You know, I can look at them, but they, they don't know what I am being six foot six Chris Peters. And finally I thought, you know, maybe as the kids are here, if you're going to connect with an ant, how are you going to connect with an ant? Do you guys have an answer? I probably got to become an ant, right? We're used to that with Ant-Man in the Marvel comics that you can do that, but you know what? The reality is, is that I'd have to become an ant to communicate with them. And you know what? As outrageous as an idea it is that I would become an ant, that's nothing compared to the fact that the eternal word, God, the eternal God, the creator of the universe would be willing to become human. That's the step of love that Jesus makes at Christmas time. And here's the truth that I don't want us to miss. The challenge, the call of Christmas is that I'm wondering as we respond to Christmas in all of its different facets, how might you and I be sent at Christmas time? Because you know what? Love initiates. Love risks. And I'm wondering of those who are close to you, part of your neighborhood, part of your work, part of your family, are you willing to risk your comfort, your time, your plans in order to engage and connect and dwell with them and show them the love of Christ? Because all of us are sent by God. It says when we continue in John 14, John 1:14, the message version says the verse like this. It says, the word became flesh and blood and moved into the neighborhood. And we saw the glory with our own eyes, the one-of-a-kind glory like father, like son, generous inside and out, true from start to finish. To the, to the Hebrew hearers of Jesus, the idea, it, it says, literally when it says, when he moved into the neighborhood, it means that he pitched his tent. Or another way to say it, it was that he tabernacled. And what we celebrate at Christmas time in the incarnation of Jesus is that God's presence came in a different way than it had ever come before. Very personal, very present, come in a relational way. And, and the idea that Jesus tabernacled completed the idea of what they talked about in the tabernacle in the Old Testament where there was the tent in the tent of meeting in the Holy of Holies and God's presence was in the Holy of Holies. What, what John is saying is that the presence of God that was in the Holy of Holies is fully present 
in Jesus Christ when he comes. And here's the amazing thing. You would think that there would be a lot of fanfare, a lot of things. No. Jesus came humble in a manger. No red carpet, no palace, no guards. A word we don't associate with God, humble, vulnerable. And the thing about the incarnation that sometimes we skip over is that God cares about our humanity. God brings value to what we live and the experience of life on this earth because he was willing to become one of us. God cares about us. He cares about our bodies. He doesn't just care about our spirit. He cares about us. He cares about the world. And God did not just stand by and watch our struggle and say, I hope they figure it out. God distinctly entered into humanity in the person of Jesus. It says this in Hebrews 4.15. It says, let us hold unswervingly to the faith that we profess. For we do not have a high priest who's unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who's been tempted in every way, just as we are, but did not sin. Glenn Stanton, a writer who I read an article in Christianity today, said this. How does God feel about our humanity? We serve a God who created our humanity, who weeps at the fall of our humanity, who became our humanity and is redeeming our humanity. So one of the things I want you to hear is that God did not remain aloof, distant, disconnected from his, from his creation. He entered in out of love because he knew that we needed him. He knew that we were stuck. He wanted to set us free, to bring us back. One of the works of Advent that we take this journey every year for four weeks and think about why we need a Savior and the longing of the Israelites for a Messiah to come is that we recognize that we are not going to be able to fix this all of our own accord. We can't fix it. We can try, we can try, but what we celebrate at Christmas is what's been done in the life and the work of Jesus Christ. Galatians 4 says this in the New Living Translation. It talks about how we were stuck. It says that's the way it was with us before Jesus Christ came. We were like children. We were slaves to the basic principles of this world. But when the right time came, God sent his son, born of a woman, subject to the law. God sent him to buy freedom for us who were slaves to the law so that he could adopt us as his very own children. Jesus came to offer freedom, to restore a relationship with our Abba, our Heavenly Father. I heard Max Lucado say this. It's a great line. Jesus stepped into the womb, headed for the tomb. All along the way, Jesus knew what he was coming to do by his death and by his resurrection. And the biggest step of all is his step out of heaven and into this world as a baby. 
Now, we've known that. Can I tell you a story about how I learned what this means? I call it my Christmas in July story. Because what you don't know about me is that I used to have a laser sailboat. I think there's a picture of it. All right, that's not me, but that's similar to the boat that I own. A small laser that you could sail, one person, they compete with them in the Olympics, but it's a great boat, moves fast, and I love to sail it in very high seas. And one time out by Port Sheldon, I went out with that boat in very heavy wind with the wind coming offshore, so from the east. It was calm at the shore, but when you got out, it was blowing, and I loved it. Tearing back and forth. Can you show the other picture? All right, that's not it, but that gives you a sense of what it was like. So I'm out on my boat and just zipping. There are no other boats out. I was quite confident in my skills. I didn't tell anybody I was go where I was going. And I realized with the wind, every time that I was sailing, every time I tried to make it back to shore because the wind was coming from the east or from the southeast, is that I, every time I gave a full sheet of the sail to, to the wind, I would flip over. And that happens in lasers, so I flipped it back over and tried it again, tried everything I could do to get back. And every time, flip. And after seven or eight times, I lost the rudder. It fell off. Now, I don't know about you, but if you have a sailboat and you don't have a rudder, not very good. And so I, I uh, derigged my boat, took the sail down so I wouldn't get blown over. And I sat there bobbing on my boat, sort of blowing for Milwaukee. No other boats out, not that kind of day, but I thought I could handle it. And all of a sudden, I see this boat come out from Port Sheldon. And the boat came towards me. I was way out past the bubbler by now. And it came right up to me. Didn't have a long talk. It wasn't that kind of moment. But um, he threw me a rope. I grabbed it and I got towed back into shore. And I might still be floating out there now, except for that person who came out and pulled me back in. Here's what I realized. I didn't get it at first. I didn't really even thank the guy because he was gone so quick. The waves were big and it just sort of was that kind of thing. But I realized, think about that man. He did tell me that he saw me from the deck of his cottage. My family didn't know quite where I was. So he got from where he was sitting on deck, he got in his car, went to his boat, got his boat, came out the channel, came all the way out and pulled me back in. And I realized that's what happened at Christmas. Jesus sees you, sees me, sees our world and says, I see them in trouble. I see them. They need something new. They need me. And so he was willing to come from heaven into this world out of love to offer us a gift 
so that we could receive something new, new life. The old is gone, the new has come, as we spoke about. And my challenge to you this morning is, how are you going to respond to Christmas? You know what I did when he got there? I didn't have a debate like, wow, I, I, he's, what's he doing? I grabbed the rope. And what I want you to think about this morning is have you grabbed the rope that God is offering to you at Christmas time? That He's willing to restore a relationship with you, He's willing to set you free, bring you release, and that's why Jesus is coming at Christmas time. And the second part is are you willing, because of the gratitude that you have, the gratitude for what God has done in your life, are you willing to go and engage the world around you? sharing and participating in what God is doing, seeing yourself as a sent one. Living out these Bell's habits of blessing and eating and listening and learning about Jesus and seeing yourself as a sent one, following the unique model of Jesus in the incarnation, demonstrating the love of Christ, sharing the good news. Because here's the conviction of today. You and I are all sent. We, it says in 2 Corinthians 5, 20, it says, we are therefore Christ's ambassadors as though God were making his appeal through us. As we live out Christmas this year, I want you not just to be comforted by the reality that Jesus comes and came to claim us, but also that you are called as a sent one and God's gonna use you to claim the next. You do that by your life, by your words and your actions. So my question to you is who might God be prompting you to restore a relationship with? Will you take the risk of Emmanuel with someone dwelling with them? Maybe it's a person that comes to mind for you as I talk. Maybe it's a group. You have a passion for a particular group, homeless, just divorce recovery group, someone with special needs, I don't know. A ministry, maybe there's a cause. Maybe you're really passionate about clean water or human trafficking. I'm not sure. How is God calling you to engage in this world and see yourself as a sent one led by him to engage the issues of our world? And my challenge to all of us, this is what God put on my heart, is by next Christmas, who could you say you've come alongside of in 2020? Who can you dwell with in the next year to show in word and in deed the love of Jesus? My prayer is that you would embrace the call of Christmas this year. That if you don't know the freedom that comes in Christ, I pray that you would see his love, his everlasting, relentless love for you as Jesus comes at Christmas time. And if you have experienced that freedom, I pray that you would be changed by that and the gratitude that flows out of your heart would move you to initiate and embrace the spirit of the incarnation as Jesus comes. Saint Athanasius, who lived 1,700 years ago, around 295 to 300 AD, said this. He said, Jesus became what we are so that he might make us what he is. That's the truth 
of what we celebrate this Christmas. Will you pray with me? Lord, I pray that these words, the word became flesh, would come alive in us. And that we would be staggered by them, but that we'd also be empowered by them to live out our call in response to your love with those around. We celebrate the power of your presence and the hope that comes through Jesus. The word became flesh. We pray it in his name. Amen. So when I was stuck on the boat, there came a time where I just had to stop trying and I had to grab the rope. One of the truths at Christmas is is that Jesus comes and he is coming to restore and to claim you and set you free. So my, my commission to you, my benediction for you is that you would grab the rope that Jesus is offering you and that you would experience the freedom and transformation that comes from him. And that then you would go and share it in gratitude and response to see what God might do. Let's see ourselves as sent ones right here, locally and globally. May you go and have powerful celebrations of Christmas with Christ's presence dwelling in you. May you go in the peace of Christ and the love of God the Father. Amen.